Hello, it's Monday the 9th of October. I'm Miranda Sawyer and this is an unusual edition of Paper Cuts. After the sudden and devastating attack on Israel by the militant Islamist Palestinian group Hamas on Saturday, we've decided to do a shorter version of the show today. We're going to concentrate only on what's been happening in Israel, on Israel and the world's response, and how the papers have been covering what's been going on. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts. I'm Miranda Sawyer and joining me on the show today is our group editor and Oh God What Now regular, Andrew Harrison. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Miranda. Also with us is writer of anything with the word kunk in the title, Jason Hazley. Hi, Jason. Hello. So what have we got on the front pages today? It is a bit grim. It is exceptionally grim. Um, it is on the broadsheets. It's a, obviously it's a clean sweep of what's happening in Israel. The, the FT has Israel at war after deadly Hamas attack. Astonishing photographs of uh, soldiers outside a destroyed building. Unprecedented assault claims 600 lives while militants take 100 hostages. Both of those figures have gone up dramatically overnight. Um, the Telegraph has US sends warships and jets to help Israel. Biden and Sunak leap to nation's defense as Iran suspected of aiding Hamas terror attack. There is a heartbreaking photograph of the German festival goer, um, the young woman whose body was paraded around um, by the terrorists. Shani Luke, aged 23, a tattoo artist from Germany, one of the hundreds of victims caught by militants. Um, we'll be talking about this later. They were at a rave. Mm, they were at a party. The Times has stunned Israel goes to war, Britain amongst 1,000 dead. There is a photograph of Nathaniel Young, the, the British uh, guy who joined the Israel Defence Forces, has been killed. And another Briton, um, Jake Marlow, is missing, uh, presumed kidnapped, I think. Um, he moved to Israel because he was concerned about the rising tide of anti-Semitism in Britain and thought that he would be safer in Israel. Um, finally, um, I have the mail... Um, with a really absolutely heartbreaking front page, which is the faces of the people who've been kidnapped. Um, pawns of merciless terrorists, a mother with babies in her arms, a woman with her two young daughters, a distraught boy of 10. These are the faces of the uh, young people. There's a grandmother, there's children um, who've been taken to be used as uh, hostages. Yeah. Okay, Jason, what do you have? Um, the front cover of the eye, fears grow for a hundred hostages with a photograph of uh, a tower block in Gaza City being bombed. And then handbrake turn for the tabloids. Um, put your trust in me, exclusive Rachel Reeves on the front cover of the mirror. Um, the Daily Star has LOLO le bedbugs. And the Sun leads with cowl, colon, David's a Wally calls ex-pals writ absurd and bizarre and exclusive. It's very odd, isn't it? It's like they're existing in a parallel universe. I mean, partly I understand it because tabloids are not necessarily, they're kind of for the fun things in life, right? Well, yeah, um, but I mean, this is a massive, massive news story. And mm. I think, look, we don't expect the star to do anything other than go with a, a fun story. The star as we often say on this podcast, it's just like your way of getting through the day. It's not really a yeah. newspaper. Um, the Mirror has gone, has, has at least gone with several pages. Of that. I think they start with seven or eight pages of their own Pride of Britain awards, yeah. followed by the Labour Conference, followed by uh, events in Israel. Yeah. But Israel for, starts on page 12. With right, yeah. yeah. But for The Sun to run some drivel about Simon Cowell and David Williams, I just think handing your newspaper card 
Yes. This is not this this is this is not journalism, this is avoidance. Now, aside from the tabloids, the front pages all cover the same story, as we've said, the attack by Hamas on Israel on a Saturday morning and what's happened since. At around 7am on Saturday, thousands of rockets were fired into Israel from Gaza. Gaza is a small strip of Palestinian land to the west of Israel that elected Hamas as its governing authority in 2006. It was a surprise attack by Hamas and Islamic Jihad. Just to remind everyone, Gaza and the West Bank make up the state of Palestine. Both were under military occupation by Israel, but Israel withdrew from Gaza in 2005. And as I said, Hamas has been the governing authority in Gaza since 2006. At the same time as these rockets were fired, armed militants broke down barriers to enter Israel. Motorised paragliders carrying militants landed in Israel and others in boats tried to enter by sea. It's a coordinated Mm. attack. The Hamas militants on the ground infiltrated Jewish communities and attacked and murdered civilians, as well as taking many hostage. So, Andrew, how did Israel respond? This is an unprecedented intelligence failure for a country that absolutely prides itself on uh, far-reaching, watertight, world-class um, intelligence. Um, security is enormously highly rated as a political issue there. And for something like this to happen, it's being discussed in terms of being Israel's 9-11. Army reservists have been up and call up a punishing wave of airstrikes have been launched into Gaza. Benjamin Netanyahu has told Palestinians in Gaza to get out now but even you know even those of us who would support Israel's right to defend itself would ask where are they supposed to get out to Gaza is is sealed it's one of the most densely populated uh, parts of 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 the world um, Netanyahu has vowed to reduce Hamas hideouts to rubble you can see where this goes also you know Hamas and Islamic jihad have form for using mass casualty events to get maximum uh, news effect around the world it is a monstrously cynical thing that's happening here, and the only people who are going to suffer are civilians, both both Israeli and Palestinian. We're going to be seeing some extremely distressing images in the next few days. Yep. Um, and also, Israel's cut off electricity, fuel, and good supplies to Gaza as well. Yeah. Um, Jason, the most awful aspect of this attack really is how it's been aimed at civilians. As Andrew said, there's a picture of a young German woman called Shani Look on the Telegraph. There's two more of young, two young Britons on the front of the Times and that male cover is absolutely uh, devastating. Um, yeah, it's pretty clear even at this early stage that this war, which is it is, is going to cause a lot of civilian deaths. Um, the Times has some uh, very good reporting um, about some of these, mainly young people because of this festival. Um, Shani Saban said her parents spent hours walking through hospital wards anxiously searching for her missing sister, Bar Zahar, 23. Bar called our mother at around 6.40am yesterday saying, Mum, come and get me, there are rockets here. Then a bit later she called again screaming, Mum, Mum, and then the call was disconnected. Yeah, really awful. They're absolutely terrible. I mean, it's, it's, it's monstrously upsetting. I mean, I have to say also, uh, you know, you don't have to read these pieces. 
you know, we read the paper so you don't have to. They are devastating. But I think this is the yeah. day when, I mean, I know we sort of joke, we read the paper so you don't have to. We mm. want you to read the papers. And this is, th- th- there's been some fantastic reporting, um, but it is incredibly harrowing. Yeah, it's not easy. The The Times has a terrifying piece about a musical festival that's called Supernova. This is an all-night rave in a forest under the stars with the title Israelis and tourists gunned down as they fled Supernova Music Festival. And The Telegraph also has a devastating eyewitness account. It's been called a planned ambush. This was, a, I mean, this is an awful thing that happened. Yeah, I think it's the um, the, the shock that it's something as familiar to us as going to a rave mm. um, that has been made the target of a, a planned am- ambush. Uh, one party on Michael Atias said that the gunmen had waited to shoot the party goers. They shot at the cars that were leaving. They chased people who'd gone to the rave across the desert. Over 250 bodies have been found. It is a massacre. Mm. Um, you know, I've seen this described today, the entire um, enterprise, well, more than 700 dead, as the biggest mass killing of Jews since the Holocaust. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely terrible. So far, at least 700 Israelis have been killed and 2,000 injured and more than 300 people have been killed in Gaza due to the Israeli airstrikes. There's nothing There's nothing easy to read in, in any of the coverage of this, to be honest with you. Yeah, the front page of the mail is um, a very, very stark and um, upsetting because it's just photos of people who have been kidnapped. A mother with babies in her arms, a woman and her two young daughters, a distraught boy of 10, just some of the hundred hostages stolen by murderous Hamas invaders. I mean, to give the hostage thing some context, uh, Israel handed over, I think, a thousand prisoners yes. to free one soldier, Gilad Shalat. Yeah, I don't know exactly when it was. There's over 100 hostages now, um, and the front cover of the eye is that many of these hostages, if not all of them, will not be rescued, and that that is a, a very dark thing to contemplate. Yeah, it's on the front cover of the eye, and it's in the mail too, and basically indicating that the Israeli military will make the quotas tough decisions about the fate of the hostages, Oof. meaning that they may well be killed during Israel's attacks on Hamas. I think Hamas would go to use, it, use them as a kind of negotiating tactic, but that's not necessarily going to work. So, Jason, what's been happening to ordinary Palestinians? Well, Israel has told them to leave the Gaza Strip, but where would they go? There's nowhere for them to go. The UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees said over 20,000 people sheltering in 44 of its schools around Gaza. Um, Médecins Sans Frontières uh, had to put out uh, an appeal to both sides saying, please don't bomb hospitals. Mm. And that's how bleak it is. Um, Power's been cut off to Gaza. I mean, power in Gaza was normally six to eight hours a day anyway. It's now none. Um, and water as well. So the place is being is being choked, effectively. Yeah. And where are they going to go? So look, I think we should look at why this has happened. The papers are quite good on this. This is what the papers do. They contextualise this. They tell us what's happened. Um, there's a really interesting editorial in Haaretz, which is an Israeli newspaper, I'd never read it before, that calls this whole attack the clear responsibility of one person, Benjamin Netanyahu. 
This is an absolutely devastating editorial. We'll put a link in the show notes because people really should read it. It begins, the disaster that befell Israel on the holiday of Simchat Torah is the clear responsibility of one person, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister who has prided himself on his vast political experience and irreplaceable wisdom in security matters, completely failed to identify the dangers he was consciously leading Israel into when establishing a government of annexation and dispossession. Now, the background to this is that Netanyahu has assembled a coalition with the Israeli far right in order to maintain power. Um, you may have seen the stories of the demonstrations in Israel against Netanyahu's plans to cut the Supreme Court out of cr cr crucial parts of decision making to concentrate power in the executive branch. The we uh, you know I've got friends in Israel. Many of them have have talked about friends of theirs who want to leave Israel because they fear you know the Israeli religious right can impress its desires completely on the country. Now, what Netanyahu seems to have done here, and like I claim no expertise on this, this is just what I've read, is that Netanyahu absolutely has been playing with fire here. He has brought people into government who shouldn't be. And alongside that comes incompetence. I mean, the, the key thing uh, with Netanyahu's government is that he's under constant investigation uh, for corruption. As Haaretz says, a prime minister indicted in three corruption cases cannot look after state affairs as national interests will necessarily be subordinate to extricating him from a possible conviction and jail time. This was the reason for establishing this horrific coalition and the judicial coup advanced by Netanyahu and for the enfeeblement of top army and intelligence officers who are perceived as political opponents. The price was paid by the victims of the invasion in the Western Negev. Now, I'm not an expert, but if it's good enough for Haaretz, that's good enough for me. It is almost impossible for those of us in Britain to get a clear picture of what's going on, but Haaretz knows what's going on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, what I've got from that editorial is by appointing these right wingers to the key position. Um, they they say literally, so he's embraced a foreign policy that openly ignores the existence and rights of Palestinians, and he's gone for a fully right government, overt steps to annex the West Bank, massive expansion of settlements on Temple Mount near Al Aqsa Mosque, and Hamas calls this attack the Al Aqsa Storm, and he's also boasting of an impending peace deal with Saudi Arabia, in which Palestinians would get nothing. Yeah. So he's pushed everything to the extreme and this is the the response. The conversation inside um, Israel, apart from shock and horror, seems to be, how the hell was this allowed to happen? Mm. It is an intelligence failure on a colossal scale, but also for US and European intelligence. How did we not know this was going to happen? Yeah. Jason, there's a piece by Gideon Ruckman in the FT that's good too, right? Yeah, and it picks up on exactly what uh, Andrew was just saying. He has lighted upon what is clearly going to be the next chapter of this story, which uh, under the headline, A Bitter Blame Game Will Follow in Israel. He points out, Fairly soon, Israel will be plunged into a divisive political argument about what went wrong. Two failures will have to be addressed. The first is an intelligence and security failure. The second is strategic. Um, when the head of Shin Bet, the Israeli domestic intelligence service, warned Netanyahu earlier this year that deadly attacks by settlers on Palestinians would increase the security threat to Israel, he was roundly denounced by members of Netanyahu's Likud party. One Likud member of parliament complained the ideology of the left has reached the top echelons of the Shin Bet. The deep state has infiltrated the leadership of the Shin Bet and the IDF. So they're all turning on each other now. This is Netanyahu saying that the intelligence service was too left-wing for being for, for ignoring uh, the warnings. And this rings a bell, doesn't it? Because this is the refrain of populism around the world. It's always a deep state somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but this is this is extraordinary um, editorial. This. 
Um, I'll read a bit more. The Prime Minister's work... So Netanyahu's working assumption that the threat from Hamas was contained now looks delusional and complacent. As he struggles to avoid conviction in a corruption case, Netanyahu has also formed a government reliant on parties from the far right. Those parties have supported increasing aggression by Israeli settlers in the West Bank. Army forces were diverted to the West Bank to contain the resulting violence, which weakened the country's defences on the border with Gaza. He points out that the Israeli government does not yet have any vision that goes beyond killing Hamas leaders. Yeah. Mm. Um, Patrick Wintour in The Guardian has actually been very good at contextualising this. I mean, he also says that the attacks are born of anger, specifically at the months-long behaviour of Netanyahu coalition, including the provocations at the Al-Aqsa Mosque. But also he brings in Iran and explaining that Iran... Um, may well have uh, been backing Hamas, although Hamas have denied it, and so have uh, so has Iran, because it has a long-term strategic goal, which is to kind of thwart the US-led effort to achieve a normalisation of a relations between Saudi Arabia and Israel. Iran does not want this. Uh, Jason, the Wall Street Journal... Uh, indicated that Iran was behind the attacks too. And the Telegraph has picked this up, right? Yes, yep. So two members of terrorist group Hamas and Hezbollah told the Wall Street Journal that Saturday's attack was planned in meetings with the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. Um, But Iran's UN mission denied that Tehran was involved, um, saying, we emphatically stand in unflinching support of Palestine. However, we are not involved in Palestine's response as it is taken solely by Palestine itself. Anthony Blinken, the US Secretary of State, has said they haven't yet seen evidence that Iran is behind the attacks. Um, But as uh, the Telegraph notes, the country has long been an enemy of Israel. Andrew, the FT has a piece about Mohammed Diaf, the military commander of Hamas, right? Yeah, this is a really excellent piece of background. I'm surprised uh, a few other places have have, have got to this. This Mm. is the guy who planned the attack. Deadly attack orchestrated by Hamas militant called The Guest. Shadowy military commander takes a long fight against the Jewish state to a violent new level. Um, Mohammed Diaf is known as The Guest after the practice of uh, Hamas to stay in a different uh, apartment every night so that they can't be tracked. Mm. Um, this is the guy who planned it. Um, and there's a quote um, from a professor of politics, uh, Makema Abusada, uh, professor of politics at Al-Hazar University in Gaza. He said, even before this, DF was like a sacred personality and very much respected both within Hamas and by the Palestinians. His biggest operation against Israel would now have turned him into a figure like a god to the young. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, you know, one hesitates to say that you're looking at your new Osama bin Laden here, but certainly... This looks like the extremely shadowy and extremely dangerous figure behind yeah. these attacks. Yeah, and also the male actually has a piece on the leader of Hamas, Ismail Haniyeh, who was um, basically watching everything on telly from safety in Qatar. There's a lot of thorough reporting, you know, there's a lot of great reporting here. But um, some of the papers have used uh, the story uh, in a different way, haven't they? So they've kind of um, jumped on their usual hobby horses. Yes, unsurprisingly. Um, On the front page of The Telegraph today, there is uh, an opinion piece by Danny Cohen, who used to be the director of BBC Television, attacking his former employer for describing Hamas as militants and not using the word terrorists. So it's the BBC's fault once so, more. Yeah, so we can find fault with the BBC in the middle of this appalling situation. And in 
a truly deranged going off the fucking end. Tim Stanley has written uh, a piece for The Telegraph, which says, Starmer now says all the right things about Gaza. But if Labour had actually won in 2019, would he? Um, this, this is, is mad. This is deranged. It's this is deranged. I mean, listen, just listen to the just listen to the tone. These people always want us to understand the history, don't they? Well, be yes. So, be so much better. If we didn't understand anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. the history is quite important. You don't. You don't want us just to be swaddled in ignorance. Then, no. no? So Keir, no. it's Keir Starmer's fault. Well, there's one bit in that. If you just grab it, there's one bit in there that really annoyed me in this Tim Stanley piece, um, where he says. Keir Starmer served on Jeremy Corbyn's front bench. He didn't have to do it. Braver men resigned. Well, yeah, and wandered off into the political wilderness where they couldn't save the Labour Party. And I think Tim Stanley would have been quite happy with the Labour Party wandering off into extremist extinction. The idea that you can sort of pick this stuff up and repurpose it to your own politics is kind of revolting. Yeah, it is. It's, very, it's opportunistic, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And a day when we don't need opportunism. Not at all. I mean, I mean, let's have a look at how what's happening in Israel actually affects us here, there's been some reporting around that as well, hasn't there? Yeah, well, there have been some celebrations and marches by some pro-Palestinians in London, Manchester and Brighton. Um, protests outside the Labour conference, which is going to struggle to get on the headlines for the next few days, isn't it? Um, Celtic fans displaying a Palestine flag at a match. The youth wing of Sinn Féin has put up a Palestinian flag on all its social media platforms. Um... The, obviously, the, the, the thing lurking in the shadows here is this is, are there going to be anti-Semitic attacks around the corner? And the answer is probably yes, isn't it? Yeah. Um, which is a depressing reality. I mean, the Times ha uh, has a story, British Jews fear attacks will cause a wave of hatred. Hundreds of pro-Palestinian protesters marched through Manchester full of joy at the attacks while British Jewish groups braced for a rise in anti-Semitism. CST, a charity advising Jewish organisations in Britain on security, said it received reports of verbal abuse against Jewish people where the attacks had been mentioned. Yeah. Um, there's also, there is some kind of pressure on Labour as well, isn't there? There's um, um, a man called Hassan Somlat, who's the head of the Palestinian mission in London, and he was scheduled to appear alongside David Lammy at the conference. He went on telly in the USA on Saturday night saying the attack was a matter of when, not if, and Israel knew it was coming their way. It's a consequence. So I wonder if he will then appear at the at the Labour Party conference. You just don't know. I very be, much doubt it. I would be very surprised. I think also we'll have to watch out for the fact that there is the party conference and then there is the fringe and then there's the non-affiliated fringe where events like the World Transform take place. You will see an awful lot of extremely distasteful stuff appearing at these events and you will see a lot of papers and commentators trying to associate it directly with the Labour Party. Yeah. Oh, God. The Telegraph reports from the Cheltenham Literary Festival that historian Sir Simon Sharma is in a profound state of grief. And he said, I am in anguish about it, of course. I have friends and family. My four nephews' children have all been mobilised. It is very difficult. I will feel riven with bad faith if I attempted to set out the reasons why this tragic catastrophe has happened or what can be done about it. Save to say that evil stalks the world, bloody-mindedness. I am someone who has been a critic of the Israeli government and particularly of the policies of an extreme right-wing government, but this is an unconscionable horror. Yeah, well, I, th I, th I think he's right. And I mean, w when you see stories like this, and OK, we're a kind of Review the Papers podcast and we try to sort of point out the absurdities of it. But on a, on a day like this, you have to recognise that many of the papers have done a fantastic job uh, bringing home something that a lot of people find enormously confusing. Um 
I've got friends who live in Israel, and if you know anybody who's Jewish, they've got friends or family who live in Israel. They would probably appreciate at least a, a text message or a Facebook message. Equally, you may well know uh, people of Palestinian extraction. They could probably use a message as well. I mean, I know this is not exactly reviewing the papers, but on a horrible day like this, I think um, things like that will be appreciated by people. Yeah. Well said. Okay, that's the end of today's paper cuts. Thanks to Andrew. Thank you. And thanks to Jason. Thanks. I've been Miranda Sawyer, and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when normal service has been disrupted, but we'll resume tomorrow. See you then. Paper Cuts was presented by Miranda Sawyer with Jason Hazley and Andrew Harrison. The producer and Podmasters group editor is also Andrew Harrison, with assistant production from Adam Wright. Audio producer is me, Robin Lieber. Music by Simon Williams, socials by Jess Harpin, design by Jim Parrott and art by Modern Toss. Managing editor Jacob Jarvis, executive producer Martin Boytosh and Papercuts is a Podmasters production.